and welcome to another episode of the Afterlife Podcast. I'm very excited to interview my guest today, Sandra Champlin. She's the author of the number one international best-selling book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death, and host of We Don't Die Radio and Shades of the Afterlife with over 550 combined episodes. Sandra organizes online medium classes, courses, demonstrations, and also the non-denominational weekly Sunday gathering. She is committed to making a difference in the lives of others, and she is here with us today to share with us her incredible story. Welcome to the show, Sandra. Oh, good morning, good day, good evening, wherever your listeners and viewers are. Thank you for having me today. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. And I can't wait to hear your story. So how did a skeptic, your former self, become a believer in the afterlife? Well, this goes over 26 years now. A little bit about me. I was raised with two great parents. My dad's in the spirit world now, and my mom is with me upstairs. But we grew up in a household that it was like you had to see it to believe it. There was a local medium that lived in town and she'd give these psychic predictions. She was always wrong. And that just kind of really sealed the deal that things that seem too good to be true probably are. We were um, going to Catholic school, Catholic church ever since I was a kid, but I never felt that faith. It was just something that good people do. So I never had that connection. So I grew up not believing, um, really never thought about it too much, but I was very opinionated and big ego. In fact, if I go to a bookstore and I see people in the spirituality section, I would feel sorry for them and talk about a big ego. I thought there's no proof of any of that. I, at a very young age, just assumed people who had near-death experiences when they saw the light, that was just a normal part of the brain shutting down. And of course, you and I know there's tons of information about that where it's not that, even science has proved it's not that. But I was too big for my britches. I thought I knew it all and Fast forward, I ended up meeting a nice gal who I did a course with, just a self-empowerment course, and she believed in angels. And I thought, oh, no, here's another one. <laughs> but she was so nice. And I remember her giving me a deck of angel cards. And, you know, every day you could pull out an inspirational message. And skeptical me thought, you know, no matter what you pull out, that message is going to apply. Well, the week that I had those cards with me was also a week that I was working my catering job. My mom and I owned a very successful catering business for 35 years before COVID hit, and we worked with race car teams. So we worked 18 hour days, really hard work. Well, every day I decided to pull out a card and every day I got the exact same card after shuffling them. And that was the music card. And I thought, now that's too big of a coincidence for 50 cards in a deck to shuffle and keep pulling the same one. So at that time, I never put music on while I was working, but I put music on in the kitchen. And I started knowing the names of songs that were coming on the radio before they came on the radio. So I had my very first psychic mm -hmm. experiences. And I thought, there's something to this. I don't know what it is, but let me just explore this. So I ended up taking a weekend medium course. Uh, the teacher was saying, if you come to the course, 
I'll show you, you are a medium. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty bold. I didn't tell anybody I was doing this. I said I was going to, you know, business class because again, my ego was against all of this. Mm -hmm. And in the course of a three day medium class, you know, the biggest thing that happened to me, the biggest aha moment was when the teacher just said, I'm just going to show you how this works. You're not going to be a medium, but this is just how it works. Everybody take a partner. And I pick, I didn't know anybody in the room. So I put this decent looking lady and she said, close your eyes and feel love for this person and can, can uh, create like a, a bubble of energy around you, something like that. And then she says, I just want you to use your imagination and make up that there is a person standing behind your partner. And with my eyes closed and holding this woman's hands, I made up that her grandfather was with her. It was her mom's father. I saw a fishing boat. I saw this man puffing a cigarette, felt like he died of lung cancer. I heard the name Jan. I heard Denmark. Um, he had a big gap between his front teeth, blonde hair, blue eyes. And with my eyes closed, as I believe I am making this up, I tell this woman the story. And they say there's usually a message that comes through. And I just felt this message would be, or I was making up that this message would be that her grandfather never told his daughter, her mom, that he loved her and wanted to give that information. He was a real tough, tough man. So when I opened my eyes to say, okay, it's your turn, it was just tears of, streams of tears going down this woman's cheeks. Her grandfather's name was Jan, he was from Denmark, he was a fisherman, he died of lung cancer, and that indeed was an appropriate message. So that opened the door to me, and over the next, I would say, 10 years or so, um, or not quite that, uh, but I would be exploring if that's possible, what else is possible? So I ended up taking courses in hypnosis and remote viewing and started learning about near-death experiences. And um, it, it led me to a weekend about electronic voice phenomena, EVPs, where you can get voices from the people in the afterlife. And again, that seems too good to be true, but I couldn't help but go. And there I met some lovely people and a very small class and people who were grieving really desperate to find out if their loved ones go on. And this is the first chapter of my book, so I, I will condense it and offer your uh, community a free copy of my book if they would like it in PDF. I'll tell you about that a bit later. But bottom line is me myself got a recording when I was only recording raindrops of, of voices saying, good night, Sandra. Good night, good night, good night. And I had asked my loved ones at that point if they were real and I was supposed to help people believe in the afterlife that I needed something loud and clear that I could really hear. Because although at that point I really was believing in the afterlife and uh, mediumship and things, I was too afraid to tell anybody. And so when I got that recording, that was like the, okay, like I need to start sharing this but I didn't. <laughs> yes. I got very busy in life and work. And I kept feeling that um, the universe or God was putting opportunities in front of me because I'd keep meeting people that mm. had had a loved one pass and they really could use the information because grief 
is a killer. It is the worst pain we ever, 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 ever go through. And it wasn't until 2010, uh, January 2010, and that was that five months to May led up to the death of my father. He had cancer and died a very brutal, painful, awful death. And with that came grief, not only before dad passed, but after dad passed. I didn't know the words at the time, but my siblings and I started fighting and um, about dad's care and loving siblings ended up coming apart because dad ended up dying. And you hear about these horrific stories of families fighting and, and our family became one of them. And I hit an all time low as a human being, you can call it depression, whatever. I was not going to end my own life, but at the very first time I felt like this, this is how bad people feel when they do, because you feel like you can't get up again. And there's, mm -hmm. and you couldn't be any lower. That's how I felt. And so something had me start researching the afterlife mm -hmm. and grief. And I got into the world of grief, why it hurts so bad, all the chemical changes that are going on in our system, how we lose a huge amount of healthy uh, brain chemicals, neurotransmitters when we grieve, what can we do to feel better and move through it. And I decided to create a free audio called How to Survive Grief that quickly went viral talking about this. And the tipping point for me where I started sharing it, this, this whole world was when I had enough people come to me that chose not to end their lives because they heard the words on that grief audio. So I know I'm offering more than you asked me in the original question, but I just feel like it's got to get out there that I felt that I want people to live life. People don't understand that grief is a killer. And once people understand about it, they can be less harsh on themselves and others know a lot of it is automatic, know what they can do to move through it. And that's when I decided to write my book and really come out to the public about the afterlife, because that's what most of the book is, but it's also, I slip in a chapter on grief, that grief audio became a mm -hmm. chapter 10 on how to survive grief. And then the rest is if we don't die, who are we as human beings? What is our life for? And that's how it all got started. And that was about, yeah, 10 years ago. So that's a mouthful for you. I'll let you talk. I'll come up for air. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm listening to you. I have so many questions as I'm listening to you, Sandra. Um, I'm trying to think of where to start. First of all, I want to thank you for your service because I've read the book. And, you know, it's really incredible, not just a chapter on grief, but also some of the assignments that you've given us to work through, right? Um your story of going from a skeptic to a believer is fascinating. Sometimes I think that like when you were talking to me, I'm not a skeptic. I love all things afterlife, but I'm, I'm listening to you going, wow, like it's too good to be true, right? But you experienced it. Did that, like you were not expecting to hear voices of your loved ones, right? I was not expecting to hear voices. I went on to doing just hundreds and hundreds of recordings and working with other people just for free, just to experiment and tying in my own 
medium abilities. And although I'm not a medium practicing, I don't take clients on or anything. I think that's one of the best ways people can know that it's, it's real is taking classes for themselves. The thing is, is I don't think as human beings, we're meant to realize this um, and really get the impact of the afterlife. Because like you, like me, after all these years, I still wake up in the morning forgetting all of it. So it's so important to keep listening or reading books or for you to do your podcast, me as well, because it helps us remember who we really are. But as human beings, we each have this voice in our head and it's not our champion. You know, most of the time it has us be afraid, Mm -hmm. has us feel guilty, has us look back in the past. We should have done something different, has us worried about the future. You know, we're getting older, at least I am. I look in the mirror, the first thing is, you know, gray hairs, wrinkles, whatever, too many pounds. (laughs) So it never says anything good. And so that's the voice of skepticism. That's the voice that has us not believe. That's the voice that keeps us playing the game of being human. So I think there's a place for it, but I also think we need to recognize it and not listen to it all the time. It doesn't tell us the truth. Definitely. And it keeps us playing small, right? Um, And that was my next question, Sandra. You do classes, you teach classes on mediumship. You know, with all of the last 10 years that I've been trying to learn about, uh, you know, the afterlife, mediumship, I've always used to think it's like a gift that you were just born with. I didn't ever know or realize that is something people can learn. Can you talk to that just a little bit? Yeah, I think we are all natural mediums. I do. I think we all have abilities. There's a husband and wife team, Carrie and Phil are their names. And I met them six or seven years ago, and they teach all of our medium classes. And they're just loving, gentle, fun, nice people. Everything we offer is low cost, has a money back guarantee. We never try to take advantage of people. But as human beings, as souls having a human experience, we all have abilities. We all have a soul. And with that comes a lot of gifts. Mm -hmm. We're so busy in our mind, though, that we don't pay attention to them. But we've all had opportunities of feeling um, like a feeling about another person, you know, you know, you meet them and you go, no, or ooh, they're nice. You know, we get these feelings. Sometimes we know when the phone's going to ring, and then it does. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, what happens with my mom and I a lot is we could be quiet for a long time watching TV. And then all of a sudden, We both are talking about the same thing at the same exact time. Mm -hmm. And we have that. And so it's an opportunity to learn about it. It's an opportunity to nurture that. Like every person can learn to play the piano, right? But some people are naturally gifted at it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the same thing that goes with our our psychic and medium abilities. Um, Our psychic ability really is the whole umbrella that that has our mediumship in it mediumship is just a piece of that but in our classes we think you know to be a medium we're reaching out we're reaching up out somewhere but it's actually paying attention to our feelings getting so present to what's happening in our belly which sounds a little crazy but with having that love for the person that's across from you and having that that trust and if you're doing a, a psychic reading, you know, you're working with the person across from you and you're able to tap into their their soul or their aura, 
uh, and tell them things about themselves and give some guidance and things. And again, you know, you, you tapping into how you feel with that love for your partner, but then all of a sudden you might get images in your mind. You might get feelings, you might get a song and then mediumship. Like I said, it's just a slice of the psychic pie because with having that love for the person across from you, and this can be in a zoom room, like we're doing right now, you just have the intention and that little ask, can a loved one come, come. And so it's like you do a psychic reading on the loved one. And so feelings and thoughts and shared memories and sometimes tastes and grandmother's favorite chocolate cake, you know, with coffee, ice cream, all of a sudden you might have these, these thoughts and feelings. And so you put those on loudspeaker to your partner. You, you say what you're feeling, you say the information. And while some of it may truly be your imagination, you might be making it up. So much of it is if you trust it, it can be information coming through from the loved one. And there's such something beautiful that happens when you do a medium reading, even in our classrooms, you actually feel like you are that person. Mm -hmm. So I may feel like I'm your grandmother mm -hmm. and feel a love for you and be able to tell you a story from when you were little. Mm -hmm. And when you have those experiences, you can't help but believe because there's, there's no way your mind could make that up, especially when the feelings are coming along or those unexpected words or tastes in your mouth or, um, you know, thinking of the chocolate cake, whatever. So I think that's available to people. And like I said, I've taken enough medium classes to know it's real. Um, I, I feel like I'm a medium on a dub, another way. So I want to bring lots of voices that are doing different things after life and get that to the most amount of people. That's why I have so many podcast episodes. But for people to just really want to know, have that experience. Because also in classes, we work on each other. You know, your partner is somebody you're giving a reading on. So if you're giving someone a reading, they're giving one back to you. So your parents and grandparents and whomever may very well come through. And it's just a beautiful experience. It sounds like it, Sandra. And, you know, I would think that that would also bring some sort of a comfort or closure or healing to someone that's grieving. Because the kind of background I come from um, growing up, you know, we didn't think it was possible to talk to anyone once they crossed over. That was the end. And it felt very cruel to me, even as a child. Like, I was terrified. I was I was frightened of losing like my parents, my grandparents, because I thought, what? I can't talk to them. I could, you know, never connect with them. But, you know, doing all this research on the afterlife, listening to stories like yours, that gives us hope that the relationship can continue, even though we can't see the person. So that, thank you for sharing that. That is beautiful. But having said that, though, grief can still be very, very hard to navigate. I do love your book, and I do love that chapter on grief. I want to read a quote from your book that has really blessed me. And then I have a question for you. So actually, this quote is not in the grief chapter. It's in the chapter nine, where it says, reconnecting with those you have loved and lost. But it's a quote on grief. And this is how it goes. Grief certainly does hurt and feels like something horrible has happened to you. You could choose to look at grief another way, that your soul self is right on track. Part of the reason you are on earth is to love with all of your heart. 
feeling intense grief means you have done just that. You should be proud of your capacity to love fully. Not everyone has experienced true love. Thank you for writing those words. And, you know, as, as comforting as this is, I know grief can be a terribly hard thing to navigate. And you have several tools you give us in the book, but is there like a two or three of your favorite that you want to share with us? Yes, absolutely. First of all, I had spoken earlier about these neurotransmitters, you know, we can go from 100% to 10%, you know, and we lose our memory. Sometimes we're crying uncontrollably, the pain, um, our perception of the world can be different. And this is why there's so many people that that fight about things. Because if you think of somebody who's a drug addict and their drug is taken away, you would never trust them with your uh, bank card and your password and, and all of that because you know that their mind isn't right. When we love somebody so deeply, we actually have a, a chemical connection to them. And while it might be a poor comparison, it's like we're losing that drug, that, that bond has been severed and it hurts so bad. So we have all these things that are happening inside of us. And first to be gentle on yourself and be gentle on other people. You know, you may find the need to sleep a lot or, um, you know, wh whatever those things are, uh, be gentle on yourself. Um, again, let me just interject in case people don't hear this whole interview. But if you go to my website, which is we don't die.com scroll to the bottom of the page, you can join my email list. It says you receive the first few chapters of my book. The truth is it's the entire book. It's on PDF. You can read it. You can read about grief. So I want to make sure yes. your community knows about that. Yes. But once we're educated on it, you'll start to understand that if you start having repetitive negative thoughts in your mind, that's normal, you know, but we can short circuit them by putting in something we're grateful for. And it doesn't have to be anything big. It can be something very, very small. You know, I'm grateful I've got clean water to drink. I'm grateful that I have a bed to sleep in. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm grateful I have people that love me, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. And it, it can help. All these things help raise those neurotransmitter levels again. Mm -hmm going outside, being with nature. If you're, if you can get a little sunshine on your shoulders, good. If you can talk to a friend and you may repeat yourself a hundred times. I know that's what I did when I was grieving. I just needed to keep telling my story. That's great. If we have opportunities to quiet our mind, you know, we say meditate, but even if you just try to concentrate on your breath, whether your eyes are open or eyes are closed to try to be in the present moment. Mm -hmm. If you can do things that you love to do. So maybe it's reading a book. Maybe it's um, like I said, going out for a walk. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's being with some friends. Maybe it's volunteering. Sometimes when we're so active and our mind is on something else, we're not paying attention to our own uh, suffering. Mm -hmm. And that really helps. I know a friend of mine took me to a puppy place, you know, it was just a natural um, pet store and you could pick up the puppies and play with them and to have those little puppies licking my face. There was no way I could even think about anything else. I was forced to be in the present mm -hmm. mode. 
Uh, journaling is really good, getting those thoughts out of your head and down. And just knowing that grief is a process, you cannot escape it. Mm -hmm. uh, the only way to the other side of it is straight through it. And for me, it took a good four years. And this was with the death of my dad. And I'm sure it would be much more difficult if I had a, a long-term significant other that passed or a child that passed. Like you said, all grief shows how much we love. Um, but it does take time. But I'm passing. It was a good four years before I felt like this cloud was lifted off me. I mean, it really felt like something was lifted and that I was back. So take that time for yourself, educate yourself as much as possible. And I don't want to say the good news about grief, but on one hand, grief is something that can wake people up to asking the big questions. Who am I? What is my life for? And I compare it sometimes to those um, pine trees that are different areas of the world, but the only way they can replant themselves is when the pine forest burns and such intense heat will start, is the only way that it cracks open those pine cones for new growth to happen. And I think with grief, it has the opportunity if we let it to get us asking those questions and once we get on that journey looking to see who we are what our life is for maybe taking a class maybe getting involved in something different um, that's when i think miracles can happen and that's when it's like okay this is all real you know we are souls having a human experience and we are very powerful and and like i said yeah magic and miracles start to happen yeah. once you realize uh, you're not alone on this journey. You're not. Thank you for sharing that, Sandra. And I really love the tips that you have in your book also. So if people listening and watching, please do go to Sandra's website. That's incredibly generous that you're giving that away. So make sure to avail of that. I want to just say that listening to you talking about handling grief, um, I'm also a in the wellness space. So I love that you talk about self-care. Many times when we love someone and we're grieving, I know it, we could feel guilty for not grieving, for having those moments of finding our joy, right? In the midst of all that's going on. So thank you. Thank you for giving us permission to take care of ourselves as we grieve. And on that note, I want to ask you with all your, um, the, the interviews that you do for We Don't Die and you have the other podcast also, The Shades of Afterlife, what are some fun things or anything that sticks out to you um, from all the people that you've interviewed about the afterlife? Sure. Some of the greatest things is, uh, number one, there's a scientist in Brazil named Sonia Rinaldi. And for over 30 years, she has been capturing voices of people in the afterlife. She's never charged anything for this, all in the area of science. And I remember hearing about her and she would have a parent come into her home and she'd have her computer and some other equipment and an empty chair and she'd say okay imagine your child is sitting in the chair and just talk to them and so in the background she was playing uh, i want to say it's like garbled human voices so it's all like chopped up into little bits and then when she would play back the recording when the parent would ask the child a question 
the child was able to rearrange those sounds into words. And a couple episodes ago on my Shades of the Afterlife, I have one about electronic voice phenomena. And you can hear an example because it says, mommy, I can talk. I mean, it just gives me goosebumps to, to hear that. And so in the past uh, six or seven years, she's also been working with video. And so where she's at now is, is say she was working with you on Zoom, she's got um, smoke or vapor or steam that can form over your face and over to the side and she'll film the whole thing. And it seems like the steam, the vapor over to one side forms into faces. Now there is something called a paradelia or pareidolia where our human brain, it's very natural to look at clouds and see faces, to look at the bark on a tree and see faces. Some people can see faces on toast, you know, but that's a normal thing. That doesn't necessarily mean that there's someone there, but her faces are so specific. They're in color. The person shows themselves younger. If they had glasses and a mustache, they might show themselves without the glasses and the mustache. there it's just incredible what she does so and i know that my father my own father has come through in images and no pictures as if he was ever on on this world there were not these pictures taken and he came through healthy and young in its 20s and it's like yay i mean they're really great you know when you're you see your loved one that it's it's them so there's a whole world that's called instrumental transcommunication the pictures and the evps in that world what is most fascinating to me these days is I love learning about these uh, deathbed visions. Before someone passes, very often they see a loved one. There's a doctor that I recommend everybody check out. Um, it's Dr. Christopher Kerr, who's a hospice doctor. And he has a movie called Death is But a Dream and also has a book called Death is But a Dream. It's not just moments before people pass that they see their loved ones. And this is something I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Very often it could be three to four weeks before someone passes that they call them dreams, but they are just as real as you and I talking right now, or me, if my mom was in the room, they occur to people that real and they're their loved ones. They're young, they're healthy. They talk about taking them on the trip, all of these kind of things. So there are so many stories of adults and as children um, that there are people that help us across. And there's so many beautiful stories that people see people that they didn't know were dead, you know, and that's real confirmation that they're really there. And so I love hearing these stories because it just lets us know that nobody dies alone. People come for us. It's very comforting. And it and, and death really is like when we fall asleep at night and you just kind of can't keep your eyes open any longer and sleep takes you away. Death, the dying process is that. And we open up our eyes and we're in a reality much like Earth. Our loved ones are there. It's comfortable. We feel like this life is just a dream. Mm-hmm. I know that you are interested in near-death experiences. And I remember uh, one of the race car drivers that I had known, he told me a story kind of in secret because he says, oh, you're interested in the afterlife. I can tell you this. 
And he had gotten into a terrible car accident. And he said he saw his grandmother and grandfather so real, so clear. And it was like he wanted to go with them, but he could also see his mom and dad and brother praying by his bedside. And he knew the right thing was to come back. And then he woke up in his body and, you know, of course there was pain and, and all that. Mm-hmm. But he, he was the one who first said to me that where you go is so much more real, that it feels like this life is just the dream. And we all know that we have yeah. vivid dreams and we wake up and go, you know, oh, it was just a dream, but that's what it's like. It's like a feeling of going home. So, uh, yeah, there's, I'm, I'm working on a podcast, um, coming out very soon about children, children's near death experiences. Uh, they're just beautiful. Um, there's shared death experiences that people can experience when their loved one's dying, very often experiencing the same thing. Uh, gosh, there's a tons of things. There's things like terminal lucidity, people that are, say they have uh, dementia and they have not been able to speak for a long time. And just moments before they die, they can come to life and they can talk to the people around them. And the next yeah. thing you know, they pass, you know, there's, there's so much research now with science, which I love. So science has actually proved that near death experiences are not hallucinations. They're not our brain shutting mm-hmm. down. They, they're not yet willing to say publicly, you know, mm-hmm. what it may be, but yes. there's, there's too many things like, uh, the, the work of, uh, Ken ring, you know, doing near death experience, um, investigations on people who never had vision they're total blind all their life yes and in the near-death experiences you know one lady floated above the hospital she saw a red shoe red high heel shoe and come to find out there really was a red Red high heel shoe on the roof and and these wonderful stories of people so there's a lot there's a lot there's different kinds of mediums yeah i'm sure there's a whole bunch that i'm not uh no but this is uh, a few tastes yeah, some of the things you're talking about, um, I can't tell you, Sandra, like, personally, even for me, it's bringing so much comfort, you know, when we start beginning to understand, I don't think the afterlife will ever be able to fully comprehend. There are certain things that are mystery. And I, I think that's good, too. But part of the reason I think we hold on to so much fear is the uncertainty, because we don't know. And I you said something I love, I'm making notes sure. No one dies alone. And right there, you know, that should take up so much of our own fear, yeah. you know, when our time comes. And that also gives me hope that there is so much love and benevolence and kindness in the universe. And it's all there for us. So talking to you today, it's been amazing because I'm going to take away two things here, Sandra. One is we talk about the limitless potential of our soul if we're only willing to open our minds and start paying attention. And then all these beautiful things, these modalities, which can help connect us to the afterlife. Thank you for sharing that with us. I love your book. And once more, I am going to ask the listeners and the viewers, please visit Sandra's website. I'm going to have all the links in the show notes. And please grab your free copy. Thank you so much, Sandra. You're really welcome. appreciate this opportunity to connect with you. My pleasure. Thank you.